Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. You know, about a month or so ago, I did a really cool interview with a fellow DJ of RTR, Sam the Golden Oldies Man. It was so good, guys, that we're back to do part two. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my incredible co-host. He is my co-host today. He is not just a guest because really he's going to be running this show. Sam, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. This is once again yours truly, Sam, the Golden Oldies Man from Remember Then Radio. (laughs) How are you, Sam? Yes. How are you? And, and you know what, AJ, you know, after a while it becomes a rhetorical question between you and I. Because for me to wake up and see a day I've never seen before is always a great day. I love your attitude, man. I love your attitude. You know, but uh, today, Jerry, uh, in continu- uh, continuation of part one, I thought that we talk about uh, three very important uh, topics. One being the independent record labels. Okay, then we're going to talk about the emergence of the white groups into uh, this genre. Yep. And last but not least, <clears throat> the groups that recorded on the West Coast and the difference in their sound. So, without further ado, we say we get started, Jay. Here we go, baby. Okay, the bells are ringing. But, you know, what's significant about this is that the epics 
along with other groups uh, <clears throat> that we're going to talk about this evening, this, this afternoon, were part of the, uh, the white group Harmony Sound. But before we get into the groups, Jay, I think it's important that I lay the groundwork as it relates to your indie, your indies, which is an acronym for your independent record label. Okay. And I want to tell how this came into existence. But in order for me to do that, I have to go back to the late 1940s, where uh, because that's actually where, where, where it started, late 40s, and these labels at that time were. Capital, Columbia, Decca, Mercury, MGM, and, and RCM. Now, before the birth of doo-wop music, the recording industry was dominated by a small number of major record labels, of course, the ones that I just mentioned. You know, they sold the most records, they took in the most in terms of revenues, and had the most influence on which kind of music was recorded and played. Now, again... These were your major record labels. And again, let me repeat them. Capital, Columbia, Decca, Mercury, MGM, and RCA. And because they were in the business to make money, they catered to the people that spent the most money on records, namely the white population. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> it's a true statement. <laughs> you know? And as a result, Minority musics, including Latin, Polish, country music, and race music, received little attention. In essence, it was largely ignored. You know, now, what, I, what, what I'm saying with that, Jerry, is this here. You know, you had your major record labels, and of course, your independent record labels. And but the thing is that during this period of time, your major record labels did not want to play what they considered race music. Oh. Okay. So the consensus was that major uh, labels ignored a uh, given music for long enough that it would eventually, they thought that if, if they didn't play race music, then eventually it would fade away into obscurity. Okay. And that was permanently linked to a limited market. Now, R&B was largely overlooked because the people for whom the music uh, held uh, appealed, namely blacks, didn't buy many records in comparison to white folks. Wow. Okay, imagine that. You know what I mean? And that was the consensus. But as a result of that, music by blacks, if it sounded black, it was foreign to most white ears. And this is not about race, it's not about black and white, it's just about laying the groundwork as to how all this came into right. existence. Right. And so, keep in mind also that during the 1940s and the early 50s were still times of segregation of schools and stages. Yep. <laughs> in other words, okay. Uh, Jim Crow was alive and well, which a lot of people tend to overlook uh, for whatever reason. You know, the major labels were slow to jump on the rock and roll bandwagon, and RCA went into the 1960s with your friend and mine, Elvis Presley. Woo! His contract was sold for $40,000. Imagine that. <laughs> Bob Barron was signed by CBS in 1961. 
but he was not exactly uh, what you would call a rock and roll act. So with the emergence of, and this is where I want to explain with your independent record labels, why it was called the independent record labels. These were record labels that you and I, Jay, could have gone into the garage, okay, or wherever, put together a sound, okay, on a small label. Okay. Unlike, unlike your major record labels, we lack the ability to distribute. So that's why songs that were recorded, for instance, on the West Coast were not heard on the East Coast. On the West Coast, you had labels like Dutone, okay, uh, uh, and with the Ducci Brothers. On the uh, East Coast, you had Red Robin. Of course, you had VJ with Vivian Carter coming out of Chicago. And as a result of this, with major record labels begin to realize that this had become a very lucrative business. <laughs> In other words, up until the point, or up until the time that they saw the, 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 the money profit of it, they didn't want to put their hands on it. They didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to play this kind of music. And, uh, and, and that's what happened as a result of that. So they were just not on the bandwagon, okay, with, uh, with, with, I got you, baby, I got you. On the, on the bandwagon. You know, and the way out for uh, these small companies was to peddle something of value. A record that was taken off was sometimes sold to a better capitalized record concern like Imperial or, or Dot. When I mentioned Elvis Presley, uh, his contract was sold to RCA by Sam Phillips of Sun Records for forty thousand dollars in nineteen fifty-five. Play me a song, Jay. Oh, here we go, baby. Let's do it. You are a walking encyclopedia, man.
I mean, it, not only as it related to the record labels, but uh, many of the idiosyncrasies that went on with the contracts. The consensus was is that I can get anybody to sing. So these kids, black and white, were more interested in the gyration from the girls, the cars, the notoriety. I mean, they didn't care about the bottom line on them, on them contracts. Many of those contracts, and no pun intended, included what was considered later to be slave clauses. Oh. What I mean by that is that many of these fledging artists signed their names to contracts but didn't read the bottom line. Right. And the bottom line stated, by you signing this contract, you give up all rights to any future royalties or profits that come from these recordings. Isn't that something? It's horrible. It's not just something. To me, it's disgusting. You know, the more the more I interview like like gentlemen like yourself that know all this information, it makes me so sick and sad. Yes, yes. But you know, again, and understand the premise. You know that uh, that these guys were more interested. And uh, let me put it. Let me use this analogy. Today, you see a lot of these young kids expiring to become football players and basketball players as a way out. Well, back during that time, that was the same consensus held by many of these singers. They weren't interested, okay, in the royalties at that time. They wasn't interested in it, whatever profits the record held. i give an example of how, let's just say, for example, okay, that a record sold a million copies, a dollar a piece, they rounded it up. That is a million dollars, okay? Now, if you had five members in a group, and if each member got $2,500 a piece as a result of the sale of that record, he was lucky. Mm. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. But, you know, continuing on, We'll go back to the, the, the white group sound. And you and I had discussions before about that. There's yep. a very distinct difference in the white group harmony versus the black group yes. harmony. Yes. Okay. One is in the enunciation of words. <laughs> okay. We talked about that. <laughs> Baby. Uh, Baby. You know, it, 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 they pronounce it differently. Okay. And that's because the influences were different. The black group, for the most part, got their influence from the deep, fortified churches, okay? On the other hand, your white groups were influenced by the sound of Mary Alonzo, Frank Sinatra, and the Catholic Church. And also, might be reminded, 1958, 59, early 59 is when they begin to emerge. Okay, one of the top groups of that era to come out was, believe it or not, the Duprees. But the Duprees were not groomed for what we consider street corner harmony or duet. They were more like a, like a Vegas act. And that's the kind of songs that, they, uh, that the producers wanted them to sing. I think we have a tune coming up by the uh, Duprees, okay, if we can get it on. Okay, so we'll do that one first then. You belong to me? You belong to me. Let's do that one now. Here we go. Okay. All right. Oh, 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 oh. 
You go another name of the group. Did you, did you, did we learn this? It's crazy. It's crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. Of another vocal group, Joe said Solo 16, John Salvatore 19, and Mike Ornine 16. You know, it's shown that uh, uh, by the, uh, another person came by the name of uh, Joey Van and the parishioners, parishioners were becoming very proficient at performing standard ballads. The group recorded a demo tape that included, check this out, My Own True Love, and as time goes by, and in 1962, it was sent to co-ed records. You know, uh, again, with the emergence of the white group sound, and it's totally different. Okay, we had this conversation before, maybe Kojak or somebody could help me explain, but there is a difference in how words are pronounced from white groups versus black groups. Okay, we'll do some, I mean, I know what the difference is, but to be able to explain it, okay, where it makes sense can, it is somewhat difficult. You say, it's like you say tomatoes, I say tomatoes. Well, Steve, Stevie <laughs> D's in the chat room as well. Shout out to Stevie D, to Kojak, to everyone out there, Baba Lou, Mikey the Baron, Diane, Deb, Carol, hello everyone. But but Stevie D, you, you probably know how to maybe uh, explain it a little better with the differences. If you want to chat, type something in the chat about that, I'd read it out. Okay. So. And again, you know, uh, Joe of the group said, and I said, he died in 1981 of a heart attack at the age of 38. Wow. Bill Van and his gifted voice was skilled, uh, was stilled on February the 28th, 1984 at the age of 41. Oh. As of 1989, the Duprees are still performing in New York New Jersey and the Connecticut area. You know, I had the privilege of, of seeing them live and in person. You talk about a polished act. I mean, their harmonies were so tight and so superb that it is just unbelievable. But I believe we got another song we want to get on. Here we go. And we'll go. talk a little bit about that after the song goes off. Here we go, guys. That's 
someone in the great somewhere Here's every word Here's every word Every time I hear a newborn baby cry Oh, touch a leaf Oh, see the sky Then I go I know that at one time or another we've all lost someone very near and very dear. But there's no cause to fear because there's someone above watching over them and watching over us. So a little Larry Chance story. Most of you have heard this. Some may not have. But a shout out to my Aunt Nancy. She was my introduction to Larry Chance, first of all. I finally got to hug Larry Chance after several interviews with him on all my networks. I finally got to hug him last March on my 59th birthday. I turned 60 this March. So I finally got to hug this great legend. But here's the best part of my meeting with Larry Chance. I was enshrined in 2019 Internet International Hall of Fame for radio show host. Once I was enshrined, I was then able to hear what some of the voters from around the world said why they voted for me. One voter, he may have been from Holland or Germany, guys, I really don't remember, but he was a huge Larry Chance fan. And he said, if Jerry Petito could get to interview Larry Chance on the same network, RTR, that named their station after his song, remember then, she has to be in. So that that's what Larry Chance did for me, baby. Yeah, you know, and speaking of, of the Earls, they were truly an innovative vocal group. You know, the Earls interpreted rhythm and blues in their own white rock and roll style. Yeah. Much the same way as the Beatles interpreted Chuck Berry. The Earls of the Bronx, New York, were formed thanks to 
a young Philadelphian named Larry Figueroa. I can't pronounce his last name. But in the mid-50s, Larry attended high school in South Philadelphia with such household names. You ready for this? Ernest Evans. Okay. Johnny Raff and Frankie Avalani. Okay. okay. Ernest became Chubby Checkered. Danny was the lead of Danny and the Juniors, and Mr. Avalani changed his last name to Avalon. <laughs> now, remember I said that it's not uncommon for groups to start out calling themselves one thing or another. But Larry's first group was the Coronas, named oh. after the cigar. Oh. But strictly for fun and for learning. When Larry, when he finished high school, his family moved to the Bronx in 1957. And he had started singing with a few guys he met at uh, the social club. They called themselves the High Hatters. I believe, man, that song there, I recall seeing him do that as one of these performances. I think it was after his cancer operation or whatever. But their first release was on the Rome label in April of 1961, and that was that Roy Winfield classic, Life is But a Dream, with the flip side going to It's You. And it was in 1963, now on the Old Town label, with I Believe. You know, and, and uh, another thing, when we mention you know, shout out on one label, you may wind up on another because the powers that be were in the business of selling these uh, or transferring them to different labels where they felt, okay, they could make more money from the label. And again, that was attributed to the ability to distribute. You know, you take a group like the, like the Hawk Tones. Okay. The Hawk Tones really never had what you consider out of the 59 songs, never had a million seller hit. Wow. Well, that's because they was on a small subsidiary label. And the ability to distribute, see, that's, that's what's the beauty of, of stations like RTR and, 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 and hosts like uh, Kojak and the rest of the guys, Steve, because we present to the audience songs that many of these folks had never heard before. Okay, and, yes, and, yes. And a little later we'll talk about, you know, the, the, the West Coast, and they had a very distinct sound for a very distinct reason. But I believe we have a recording coming up now by the Dimensions. Now, when I first heard the Flamingos do it, My Foolish Heart, I thought that was it, okay? But the Dimensions came back with their rendition. Again, this is all my blue-eyed soul brothers, and I don't want anybody to get it mixed up or twisted, but we had some blue-eyed soul brothers that could sing. I mean, sing. My Foolish Heart by the dimensions. Here we go, I love it. Ah. Uh-huh. 
He's putting in there. This is his thing, man. Harmonies 
were more refined and polished. Whereas if the street or the East Coast groups were more street corner, like a totally different uh, distinction in the sound. So, uh, continuing on, Jay, for the time we have left, I think we got a recording coming up by the Galahads. Here we go, baby. I'm without a girlfriend. Tony Smith, 
uh, second tenor, and Ernie Ross on baritone. Now the group is going by uh, the Monkey Girl, the Galahad, just changing their name to the Galahad, and performing the original tune going over the telephone, believe it or not, to a DJ called Steve Ray. Impressed, Ray became the band's first manager buying the matching outfits and arranging performances at the Catholic Youth Organization. <laughs> you know, uh, they also did a uh, thing, uh, uh, Love You So by Ron Holden and the Thunderbird. That was the sound of the Galahad. Okay, they started in Seattle, Washington, and ended up in on the West Coast. And again, they originated back in 1952, stayed active from 1952 to 1962 on the Delphi label. So cool. So are we playing... Father, okay, here we go, guys. Oh, Father Time, you keep ticking away. Lorenzo Belvin was born December the 15th, 1932. 
You know, and he was born in Texas, Texas, and he moved with his family at the time to Los Angeles at the age of five. In 1950, he joined saxophonist Big J McNeely back in several vocal groups, the Three Dots and the Dash, and on and on. You know, uh, his fourth record was Dream Girl, and it was credited to Jesse and Marvin Phillips who was on saxophone and reached number two on the R&B charts in 1963. Jesse was then drafted for a speller in the Army, but he continued to write songs. You know, their composition, Earth Angel. Eventually, uh, the, it was done by the Penguin, but it was eventually credited to Jesse Belvin, Curtis Williams, and Gaynell Hodge after a legal dispute by which the, uh, the Penguin had uh, become one of the first R&B groups uh, uh, c- crossover on the pop chart. In 1956, he signed a contract with Modern Records but continued to sing for other labels under different names. His biggest hit was Goodnight, My Love, which he co-wrote, which reached number seven on the R&B chart. Now, this is a uh, particular uh, entry. The piano on the session was reported to have been played by an 11-year-old Barry White. You remember Barry White? Of course. <laughs> Heck yeah, baby. He played, he played piano. And, uh, you know, his recordings for Martin was, were less successful. In 1958, he recorded on a dot record with a group called The Shields. Okay, remember The Shields? You cheated. Yes. He, 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 he also included these singer Frankie Irvin and Johnny Guitar Watson. Their record, you seen it, reached number 15 on the U.S. pop chart. But in addition to the church we sang with the Laurels, the Clicks, and there's other songs that after we go off the air that you're going to get on. But one of Where's My Girl, that is a stock knocker, uh, Jerry, and one little blessing okay now continuing on we're gonna wrap this up with the sound of good night sweetheart no but before i do that most people associate jesse belvin with just that song there okay good night sweetheart but what he's saying with the laurels and the clicks and the heels and he also at one time another thing with uh the group out of Philadelphia, believe it or not, Renee Hinton and the Capri. Okay, he was, uh, he, he sang with them. Jesse Belvin was a phenomenal actor. And of course, as the story goes, you know, he was confused, killed in this car accident. Right. Because he had encountered during one of the performances a lot of racial strife from, uh, from the audience. So it's not known whether or not the car was actually sabotaged or what, but he and his wife died in a fatal car accident. And after his, his demise, the powers that be wanted Sam Cooke to step in and take the place, but those were some hard shoes to fill, boy, Sam, we're taking nothing away from Sam Cooke, but Sam Cooke is Sam Cooke, and Jesse Belvin is Jesse Belvin. <laughs> I love you, man. Listen, Sam's got to hit the road, but I want to say something. Sam, the Golden Oldies, man, tell everyone when your show is on before you go. Okay, we're on each and every Friday night 
from five to the big TikTok says nine o'clock in time to go. I don't be jiving, I don't be jamming, I don't be slipping, I sure ain't hiding. But I also want to mention my man Kojak. You know, in, in, in addition to myself there at Remember Then Radio, I listen to the other jocks. You know, we're like one big family. We teach one, we, we learn from, from, from each other. I've learned a lot, even from Kojak. Okay, he does some phenomenal interviews, tells some stories that a lot of people out there don't know. And hopefully, Jay, if we get together again, what we'll talk about are your personality DJs and the yes. role that they played in keeping this music alive. Let's and do it. We're, that's a plan. Sam, I love you. Thank you, guys. We're not done. I'm going to play a few more songs. The next one will be Goodnight, My Love. Shout out to... Angel and Steve, owners of Remember Then Radio, for giving us this incredible platform. Sam, I love you, and here we go. Good night, Sam. Hey, 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 baby, I love you. Thanks for having me on. We'll do it again real soon. All right, baby. Thank you, baby. baby. You say, baby. You say tomatoes, I say tomorrow. I love it. I say potatoes. I love you, Jay. Love you too, Sam. All right, dear. Bye-bye. Here we go, guys. Good night, my love. Good night, my love. Pleasant dreams and sleep tight, my love. May tomorrow be sunny and bright and bring you closer to me before you go there's just one thing I'd like to know is your love still warm for me has it grown cold If you should awake In the still of night Please have no fears For I'll be there You know I can night, my love, pleasant dreams, sleep tight, my love, may tomorrow be sunny and bright, and bring you closer to Good night, my love. 
pleasant dreams and sleep tight, my love. May tomorrow be sunny and bright and bring you closer to me. baby kojak show is monday nights 8 p.m stevie d is in the chat room and he has a show right after mine on saturdays he's at 1 p.m eastern standard time okay so you got to tune into those guys so now i'm gonna play jesse belvin where's my girl another one of sam's picks here we go guys So that's another incredible song choice from Sam the Golden Oldies Man. And you know what? I'm going to play another one. The Great Pretender by The Platters. One of my all-time favorites. Here we go, guys. Oh, yes. I'm the Great Pretender. But no 
choice of Sam, which we're going to play, and then I'm going to end the show with one of my song choices. How about that? So we're going to play Jesse Belvin, One Little Blessing. Here we go, guys, from 1955. One little blessing is all I want There's a love Love I had once long ago Ah, and it swayed both to and fro Would die for and, and as of now that love has left me sad and blue Heavenly Father what must I do I've almost lost my, my mind Yeah, yeah, no Yeah, well now Long time ago No other love she had Child, within one day 
Within one day, I found my love was missing, and there was no love to be had. Oh, your dear love, one little blessing is all I want. Send her back, give me. Before I play the last song, I just want to thank everyone out there for listening. I want to thank everyone in the chat room. Babalu again, front row, first in Cedar. You know, I love you, man. Mikey the Baron, Bayside, Deb, Diane, Carol, I love you, girlfriend. I love all of you. Kojak, Stevie D, thanks for hanging out in the chat room. I want everyone out there to know that I love Sam, the golden oldies man. Are you kidding me? I mean, he is so full of knowledge. And we will do a part three, guys. We will absolutely do a part three. Um, And I want to say thank you to Kojak for typing for me all this incredible information. He is a book of knowledge as well. So I'm, I'm not a DJ, guys. I'm a radio show host. So I don't really know all the details and all the facts about the music and the dates and times and names and all that. I just know I love the music. So... I want to thank RTR again, Angel and Steve, for giving us this incredible, incredible platform. So guys, since we did talk a little bit about Elvis, and you know, music is a must for you to keep your joy, especially if it's Elvis, because Elvis is my boy. We're going to close out with one of the greatest songs ever written, ever sung by the greatest artist of all time, Elvis Presley, How Great Thou Art.
Say 